we've had three national players of the year in the last four years. And they've also been three of our hardest workers. So God, if you're going to do it, do it to the best of your ability. Well, the ability he gave me was to coach baseball. The people matter way more than the talent. And if you're not correcting it, then you're condoning it. Uh, we've all heard that before. And, you know, if you're not coaching it, then you're condoning it. Uh, we just feel like you can't make a great play if you don't ever practice making a great play. Welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. So Joey... I was scrolling through my Instagram feed today and saw a video of Joey Gallo using the Lipke Pro. If the pros are using it, why isn't everyone else? I think it comes down to, you know, people just aren't aware. I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, really, you know, I have a connection with Lipke from, we're both from Vegas. We both, you know, stationed out of Vegas and um, I had some guys that played with him when he, when he coached in college. And I think, I think that's the biggest thing is just awareness. I mean, cause I really, if you get that thing on your hand and you see your players using it and you see the development that your players go through and um, just such the benefit, I don't think there's any cause against it. So really, Bo, I think it really comes back to awareness. Absolutely. It really is a great tool and we really advocate it here at the farm system. Fellas, don't forget to use discount code THEFARM18, all caps, for 10% off at LipkyPro.com. On this episode, we sit down with Matt Parker, the head coach at Oklahoma Westland University. In seven seasons, Matt has been in Oklahoma. He has developed his team into an NAIA regional power and national contender. Matt has never had a losing season. In fact, he's had three 40-win seasons and two 50-win seasons. He's also made two World Series appearances and coached three national players of the year. Matt led Oklahoma Westland to a groundbreaking season in 2014, finishing 58-8, and setting the school record and leading all of collegiate baseball in wins. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad. Here's Coach Parker. Welcome back to the farm system. We're here with head coach from Oklahoma Westland, Matt Parker. Coach, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to sit down and chat with us here at the farm system. No problem, Bo. I appreciate you and Joey having me on. Yeah. So Matt, the reason we wanted to have you on is, you know, me and Bo both played against you um, when we were playing. And also too, we, we've just kind of followed you through your, through your, your time there at Oklahoma Westland. You guys have always had a very, very talented team and we loved your culture and we, we love how your team goes about their business. And, you know, we've kind of kept tabs on you and we just think that you have so much to offer to our listeners. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I, I we try to work hard and uh, kind of do, do things a, a certain way, and, and we we are proud that people notice it, and uh, certainly certainly glad to be on the uh, on the farm system. Well, let's get into it, Coach. Typically, head coaches have quite the journey to get to where they are. Can you touch on the experiences that have led to you becoming the head coach at Oklahoma Wesleyan? Yeah, I, I've made a a quick trip around the world. I feel like uh, to get to where I'm at here at Oklahoma Wesleyan, I. Uh, uh, played at Lyon College in Arkansas uh, for four years and 
uh, finished up in 2005 there and went straight to Henderson State University in, in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. And I worked for a year and got my master's there and coached summer ball in Chillicothe, Missouri. And I kind of got a, uh, had a, a player from Garden City Community College out in Kansas that I was coaching at the time that they had an opening and he mentioned it to his head coach. And so I wound up going to uh, Garden City Community College for uh, two years. Uh, kind of the same thing as probably most people working camps and doing different things like that, met some different people and, and connections that way and uh, wound up uh, all the way out on the West Coast uh, at California Baptist University in Riverside for, for three years as the recruiting guy there. And uh, through that, uh, had a chance to, to, to go to the World Series and, and uh, uh, be around some good players there and got the opportunity to come back to Oklahoma Wesleyan I guess uh, after the 11 season so for the 2011 fall and getting into the spring and uh, it's crazy but we're headed into the, the seventh year here at, at Oklahoma Wesleyan as the head coach and you know uh, got here at 27 years old so I'm certainly glad to be here and, and uh, it seems like it's it's happened really quickly uh, you know compared to most people but thought I was ready for it and uh, you know uh, every every day I look up and go like man what was I doing back then and uh, I'm sure the 40-year-old Matt Parker will look at the 35-year-old Matt Parker and think, "What's what happened to that guy?" So uh, it's, uh, it's it's certainly been some experiences to get here for sure. Well, you know, one thing uh, me and Bo hear all the time, and I've I've heard we talked about it with with Dinkle a couple times too as well, is you know, with, there's a lot of comparisons between Division Two or Division One and NEI, and I know that you've coached both at Division Two and the NEI levels. What do you think separates the two divisions? You know. I, <laughs> People ask it all the time, and, and obviously I, I get to throw in the junior college experience uh, mm-hmm. as well, uh, you know, being at Garden City. And for me, I think the, the really the, the only difference that, you know, obviously there's the the rules, you know, from a recruiting standpoint or an eligibility standpoint, those that everybody kind of knows. But really, I, other than that, I don't think there's a huge difference uh, for me that, that I've ever really seen because – you know, there's great Division One baseball, and there's great Division Two baseball, and there's great NEIA baseball and junior college baseball, and there's also really bad baseball at all levels as well. Uh, and it kind of is what that that program makes it, and you know how the the culture that that team builds and 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 puts into it. So, you know, for me, I, I don't think there's a huge difference really than Division Two or NEIA, and you know, obviously, um, it's about the players that you have in your program and uh, their willingness to work and you know, I think that uh, uh, that's kind of the difference, but I don't think that's a Division Two versus NEI or junior college. I think that's a, a culture uh, situation there. That's a great Absolutely. point. So, Coach, when I think Matt Parker, I remember back to a podcast you were on a, a year or two back. You mentioned how your father's always asking you when you're going to go get a real job. Um, <laughs> kind of made me laugh, but I could also hear the passion you were speaking in your voice for the love of the game. I guess what I'm getting at is, why do you coach? Yeah, you know that's a that's funny, but I, you know, the first answer is I've never done anything outside of baseball. Uh, you know, when when you hear people say, well, we all know what it's like to wait tables, or we all know what it's like to have that job, that I, I don't, uh, I really don't. I've never had a job outside of baseball. I've either taken care of the field, or umpired, or done things like that. And and obviously, my dad is uh, one of my biggest supporters. You know, with along with my mom and and my wife and. Uh, you know, my entire family has obviously supported this the whole time. And, you know, my dad jokes all the time about like, you know, are you ever going to get a real job? And, you know, I have a business administration degree and a master's degree. And uh, my dad, my my wife asked, uh, you know, hey, when are we going to use those degrees? And, you know, and we laugh about it. And, 
you know, my, my typical answer is I hope I never have to. Uh, <laughs> so for me, I, I think I coach because um, I don't, I never imagined doing anything else. Uh, I don't, I don't know what it's like to do anything else. I, I don't want to do anything else. You know, little kids, they ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, it's the doctor, it's the lawyer, it's the fireman, it's whatever, you know, along those lines. Well, you know, once I got past that stage where those three things were the answer, I've never wanted to do anything else but coach. I never, I never made plans to do anything else. There was never a, you know, what if this doesn't work? Uh, what if I don't, I, I never plan to do anything else. Um, you know, so for me, I think uh, I do it because that's all I know uh, was probably the initial answer. Uh, and then after that, it's kind of become the enjoy uh, helping people, uh, enjoy watching uh, people succeed. And sure, we, we love that on the field and we like to win and that's great. And we love watching a guy go from being, you know, a, a good player to a great player or, a, um, you know, a, a great player to the best player. You know, we, we do certainly like that, but we also, you know, it's the, it's the success stories, you know, that we get now that I've done it long enough to see the guys that, you know, that, that graduate and, you know, have the jobs and they call me or they ask me for a reference or, um, you know, my wife and I currently go to a Bible study of a former player uh, and his wife and, and little boy, they, you know, they have us at their house every, uh, every two Tuesdays a month. And we do a Bible study there, you know, with, with people from our church. And, you know, I think that, that those relationships probably uh, have become the reason why where before it was because I didn't know anything else. And I don't know if I was qualified to do anything else. Uh, and now it's the, you know what, I, I look around at, at this and, and I can't imagine, couldn't imagine doing anything else. I, I really don't know what I would do if, if it wasn't coach baseball. That's awesome. So, um, you know, one thing me and Bo talked about is we noticed that, you know, over the years, your teams get better and better. And usually, uh, you know, that correlates with the skipper getting better and better. And so we're wondering, you know, what was something that you've learned, you know, maybe in the last year or something just recently, even though you coached all these years, something just recently that was either deepened or something that you just came across new that you're, is kind of something you're pushing now? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a good point. I, I think we try to change every year. You know, and, and, and I don't know if there's any one thing, you know, that I would just put my finger on and say, we changed that. Uh, but I know that the, the seven-year head coach is drastically different than my first year. You know, I, I was ready to sit in the big chair. I was ready to be the boss. I had all the answers. I knew everything about what to do. You know, uh, when I got to Oklahoma Wesleyan and 30 minutes into my first day as the head coach, I realized I really didn't know anything. Um <laughs> And, and we started my head coaching career at Oklahoma Wesleyan. We started one at six. So there was obviously the doubts of maybe I'm just a really good assistant. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe I wasn't ready for this. And what am I doing? And um, But that team, you know, stuck together and started one at six and wound up finishing, I think, 42 and 25. And so we obviously learned some lessons there. And really and truly, uh, I keep a binder for, for every year. Uh, so it's almost like it almost turns into a journal for that uh, that team, you know, and it, and it literally has an entry almost every day, and it's not necessarily handwritten stuff, but it's it's anything, you know, I guess you could call it, maybe I'm a hoarder, I don't know, I, I like to call it organized, uh, you know, maybe that's my way, a nice way of putting it, but, you know, I keep everything that, that, that we do uh, for the entire year, from uh, lesson, uh, uh, practice plans to, you know, uh, uh, lifts that we do, to meetings that we have, to anything, and but the very first page of that uh, binder has a blank sheet of paper on it that says to change. 
uh, and that's all that's all it's written on the top of it is to change. And then I start writing stuff throughout the year uh, that come up that things that we need to look at changing. Uh, sometimes it's you know uh, you know practice plans, or sometimes it's a sign, or sometimes it's you know this drill or that drill, or we need to teach something earlier, or do more of this or less of that, or sometimes it's things that I need to do different. And you know uh, we change stuff every single year. And you know I had a player not too long ago ask like, you know why did we change this? And you know my my initial answer is we didn't win a national championship, um, so we clearly didn't have the right answer. And and you know I I know that we'll still change things if we you know manage to win a national championship at some point. I, I know that we'll still change things. And um, my my answer then is going to be well we didn't go undefeated. Uh, so you know I've already kind of got that built in. But you know, I think there's there is that side of of kind of taking those notes throughout the year. And then during the summer, I sit down and try to look at them and try to decide whether or not that is something that really needs to be changed or was that kind of the heat of the moment. I was frustrated and, you know, uh, we didn't know, you know, what we were doing there. Or uh, So I wrote it down and then I come out and it's like, well, actually, we just need to do it better. Uh, we don't need to change it. We just need to do it better. Uh, just little things, um, one of which we just played a night game recently. Um, we actually hadn't gone over, you know, our system as far as, you know, when the lights come on and, you can't necessarily see the signs for the shadows. Like, you know, what system are we going to use? And that's bad coaching if if our guys aren't prepared for that. So that's obviously on the excuse me on the two change list of that needs to be done sooner uh, rather than trying to throw it in in the dugout. Like, you know, we're disorganized. So I don't know if there's one thing, uh, Joey, that I would say. Hey, that that thing is definitely uh, one that I've changed or one that I've done and. Uh, but I, I would say there's there's a whole bunch of things that, you know, we kind of have just morphed and modified and we see somebody else do it. You know, stealing from other programs is a good thing. Uh, I think it's probably the highest form of flattery. You know, whenever you can see somebody else do something, you go, that's better than what we're doing. So we need to we need to look at that and, and call that and, you know, those kind of things there. So um, I don't know if there's one thing, but I, I would say there's there's several, and, and every year there's there's multiple things that we sit down and, and try to look at and say, hey, that's that's something that, that we need to continue to go with because we haven't won a national championship. We haven't gone undefeated, and those are obviously the goals when we're talking on the baseball field. So uh, there's clearly things every year that need to be worked on or improved or tweaked or uh, done better, uh, and I think that's, that's the big focus for us is uh, we don't ever want to stay the same. Uh, you know, last year's team went 51-12, and 12 and you know, this year's goal was not to win 51. Uh, it was not to win 52. It was not to win 50. It was, you know, it was to whatever this team can do, let's see how good we can be. And you know what, if that takes, you know, 41 wins to, to play for a national title, then those would be the best 41 wins we could possibly get. And if it takes 55, then that's that would be the goal. Um, you know, for us, it's you know, really can we play well each and every day and um, I think that focus, that small focus for us has been, been really good for us and, and helped us to continue to, to maintain where we're at, but also to, to add to it and, and to continue to grow. Matt, if that was a uh, recruit phone call, you would have had me. I was in. I love right. it. I love it. I'll send the paperwork. I love it. I still, I think me and Bo talked about this. I technically still do have one semester of eligibility. I think I'm going to come back at like 42 so I can get on the news, you know, so. Perfect. I think I'm like, I'm All right, <laughs> come on in. We're, uh, I, I got the hookup for you. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Joey, you actually might be able to hit a home run at their park. 
there you go. You know what? As long as you know, you got to play at the right time, though, Bo. You know what that's like. If if it's yeah. early in the year, the wind blows in and you can't hit it out there. So yeah. uh, if it gets it late in the year, it's a different story. But uh, early in the year, that wind blows in. Yeah. So Matt, you just mentioned you're you're eager to get in there, Bartlesville. Excited to be the head guy. First year there, you surpassed that 40 win mark. Hit that number five out of six years and um, exceeded 50 plus twice. You're off to the 21 and two start this year. What do you contribute your continued success to? Uh, I think the first thing for us is is recruiting. You know, I, I when we got there, um, you know, Coach Kelly, the guy that I actually played for in college at Lyon College, is the guy I replaced at Oklahoma Wesleyan. He got the opportunity to leave and and go to uh, University of Central Arkansas as the associate head coach and pitching coach. So. He took that. That's how I uh, had the connection into uh, the job coming from Cal Baptist. And, you know, we got here, so things were headed in the right direction. Uh, Coach Kelly had just been here two years and uh, had kind of started things headed uh, in the right direction. And, you know, obviously we come in, and the first thing that we said looking around for me at 27 years old was, you know, I knew that uh, I needed to coach good players. You know, there's coaches that uh, that can coach average players, and they get so much out of them, and they uh, they do all of that. And you know, for me at 27, I, I hope that I'm doing a good job of helping those guys get better and, and uh, developing all that. But I knew that for us, the the lifeblood was going to be recruiting. You know, so we kind of hit the ground running, and that's kind of been our thing from the beginning. Was we've got to go work. Uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan was not a a destination place. It was not a top five place in the country it, it had never been over 40 wins uh till we got here so for us it was you know we need to we need to continue to hit the ground on the recruiting trail and we need to work and if you're not getting told no you're probably not calling the right guys mm-hmm. uh, you know if you're if you're getting a lot of yeses then you know what you're probably not recruiting the right ones and uh you know i remember a couple times there uh with with uh early coaching staffs here you know, we would, I would get a no from somebody or we would get a no from somebody. And, you know, I, it, it's frustrating to be told no. Nobody likes that in recruiting. And, you know, it was like, man, like I thought we had that. And, you know, one of those uh, first assistants or whatever might say, you know, well, did we really think we could get that guy? And it's like, uh, we weren't calling him, you know, just to be nice. Like we did, we did think that we had a shot at that. And, and until we get those guys, uh, it's going to be uh, difficult for us. Uh, and then, then we eventually, you know, that third recruiting class, we, we kind of, that was the one that really clicked it all together. Um, you know, we'd had, had two years in there, but the, uh, or I guess the second recruiting class was the year that really kind of clicked it. The turned out to be the 2014 team that, that went 58 and eight and, uh, heck they won 29 straight games at one, one point during that season. You know, it was just the right mix of people. Um, and so for us, like it has been recruiting and it's been really defined recruiting in we basically lay out the three areas that we're looking for and athletic success, and academic success and spiritual success. And really and truly we talk about those three areas with recruits. And if they don't fit in those three areas, it doesn't really matter how good they are maybe in one of them, but if they're not good in the other two, then we just can't take them. If they don't fit at Oklahoma Wesleyan, uh, we just don't take that. Uh, we don't, we just don't, we, they're just not for us. Uh, doesn't mean they're a bad guy. Doesn't mean they're a bad player. Just, they can't be in our program and be a part of what we're trying to do here. Uh, we've really been pretty consistent on that, and, and I think it's it's shown because, you know, we have a roadmap for what we're looking for. Uh, I think so many times coaches or 
you know, even players, sometimes they don't know what they're looking for, and you kind of get to blowing around in the wind. Uh, you know, if one year it's we didn't pitch it well, well, then we're out there and we sign a bunch of pitching, but now we don't have a shortstop that can catch it or we don't have anybody that can hit or uh, those kind of things there, and we've kind of defined this is what we're looking for uh, every year uh, and been really organized about that, and I think that's allowed us to kind of have that uh, direction that, that doesn't allow us to be uh, reactive uh, to things so much as it is we're able to be, you know, out there on the forefront saying this is what we want and this is what we're looking for, and when we see it, we can grab it and be done with it. We don't have to, you know, wonder like, well, is there something better? It's like, no, that fits who we are, uh, which is more important than, than any amount of talent that we could have is, is, is it the right fit? And once we get the right fit, um, we certainly think that everything else will come along and, and go from there. So, uh, so Matt, you've referenced younger Matt multiple times throughout uh, this this talk already. What are some funny experiences you look back on and just you know laugh at yourself at some things you did when you were younger or some you know like some stories where you thought you you knew it all or what what are some experiences that you remember off the top of your head? Yeah, well, it probably goes more to you know the the assistant coach you know because the assistant coach Parker was man he he was a really smart. You know, he had, he had all the answers. Uh, you know, all the all the head coaches that I worked for. Uh, you know, Gary Adcock at Cal Baptist, and uh, Chris Finnegan at uh, Garden City, and John Harvey at, at Henderson State. You know, that they probably will laugh at this when they hear it. But you know, I was so much smarter than they were. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I knew everything sitting over there in that little chair. You know, not the one behind the big desk, the little chair where the assistant sits when he comes into the head coach's office. Like, so it's now the things that. You know, when, when Coach Adcock or, um, you know, any of those guys would say, well, what do you think about this? And I would give my opinion, you know, we should we should cut that player or we should do this or we should do that. And then they wouldn't do it, you know, and I would go home and, you know, I'm the, the you know, the, the at Garden City, I was the guy that lived in the dorms, you know, and, and uh, things like that. So I'd go back to my dorm room, you know, and mm-hmm. sit there and think like, God, I can't believe we didn't do that. And, you know, I, I had all the answers, uh, but I didn't really understand all the repercussions to my answer. Uh, you know, uh, whenever it was like, cut that guy. It's like, well, I never really thought about, like, you know, we have to do certain things. If we cut the guy, there's, you know, different things with that. And then whenever I got to be the head coach, and now I'm the guy sitting in there, and I'm thinking about, like, man, what do I do with this guy? And I ask, and we get the, we should cut that guy <laughs> from an assistant. Or, you know, we should – do this or I tell you we should do that or uh, I laugh because that's me sitting over there in that chair and you know I, I've tried to you know coach Adcock did a tremendous job in in trying to prepare me to be a head coach and and you know trying to explain those things to me when I when I would say we should do this and he would say well here's why we can't and I just always thought like ah yeah we could but you don't want to now I realize like no that he that's the reason he's really good at his job was because he had he had gone through that and uh, he uh, uh, he had better answers than me. So I think that's probably the big difference is uh, assisting Coach uh, Parker, telling Coach Parker how we should, uh, you know, how we should do certain things and uh, just different stories like that where I've, you know, looked back and thought, you know, in my my assistant coach days or, or whatever, I would have, this is how I would have handled it, and maybe that isn't the right way to handle it. Love it. So, Coach, year in and year out, Oklahoma Wesleyan produces some big-time offensive numbers, especially the last couple of years with Tappy and Price. Can you elaborate on your offensive philosophy and approach? Yeah, for us, uh, you know, we talk about being the, 
the best situational hitting team in the country. You know, and, and when we, we talk about that to our guys, you know, I always try to bait somebody into saying, you know, what is situational hitting? Because most people immediately turn that into, oh, man, it's bunts and it's, you know, this or it's that. And, you know, we're, we're really not that. But I also, you know, I've gotten some phone calls from some, some different people about, you know, wanting to talk about hitting philosophy. And I, I know that person is a, you know, maybe a, a, a get the ball in the air uh, kind of uh, person, you know, that feel like there's two different camps. You know, it's either the, you know, hit the ball in the air or don't hit the ball in the air uh, camp now. It depends on who you listen to on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've kind of joked with those guys that, you know, we led the country in home runs last year. And, you know, we've been in the top five and run scored um, pretty frequently here lately. And, you know, I, I joke that if, if they want me to say we hit the ball in the air, probably not going to be the right interview. Uh, mm-hmm. Because for us, we really, you know, as well as I do in Oklahoma, it can be two different ballparks on two different days, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the same in the same ballpark. One day it can blow straight in at 35, and the next day it can blow straight out at 35. And uh, so for us, uh, we want to kind of teach our guys to, Hey, here's the situation. Now, how do we score runs within that? Because we're really not worried about a batting average. Um, we're not worried about an on-base percentage. Like for us, like we talk about, like the name of the game is to score runs. It really doesn't matter what your batting average is if you don't ever score runs. Uh, because my my grandpa, you know, my grandfather used to 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 call every time when when we would play, both as a player and as a coach. You know, he had the just like everybody's grandparents had the schedule on the refrigerator and he would call every night when we played and ask how we did. And if I said we won, he'd congratulate me. If I said we lost, he'd say, son, you just don't listen. If you'll score one more run than the other team, you'll win every game. <laughs> and so anytime we lose a game, I always think that, man, if we would have gotten one more than them, we would have won that game. Uh, so for us, like I've tried, I've always remembered that, that it doesn't matter. You know, it's not a knock. Maybe I guess it is a knock on, you know, a rod, uh, we don't need A-Rod to hit the grand slam when, when we're up eight already. Mm-hmm. Like, we need A-Rod to hit the grand slam when we're down three. You know, so for us, it's about scoring runs, not getting hits, and not, you know, not, not you know, getting walks or bunts or whatever. And how do we score runs? Well, that depends on the situation. And You know, the base is loaded and one out. Uh, most people talk about trying to hit a sack fly. We actually, I mean, we're thinking, like, let's hit that ball in the gap. Like, let's score multiple runs in that situation. And sure, if we hit a sack fly, that's great, but why settle for one if we think, man, we could hit the ball in the gap or hit the ball out and score multiple runs? We also, though, know that if you're going to win at the World Series and you're going to uh, get that ace, uh, sometimes it's going to be, you know what, we had to have a long two-strike A-B to get a walk, and we had to read a dirt ball to get to second, and we had to bunt him to third, and you know, we got to hit a ground ball in the middle or a, a, a sack fly somewhere to score him, and Sometimes you got to win that game one to nothing. Uh, so for us, offensively, it's it's really about being the best situational hitting team in the country. And if that means hitting a bunch of ground balls that day, because we're on turf and the wind's blowing in, and that's what works for us, then great, let's do that. That team last year, I thought, really had the ability to kind of know, hey, the wind's blowing out today, and they had the personnel to get it in the air a little more and let's hit it out of the ballpark. And you know, we played in the same ballpark for six years. Last year was the first year we've ever led the country in home runs. And, you know, it kind of blew up into, well, it's the ballpark. Well, it's the same ballpark we've been in for six years. So it was just the personnel was different uh, that year. It wasn't something we went out and got. It was just they were 
uh, intelligent enough about the situation. We were in enough situations to hit it in the air, and it happened that it went that way. Um, this year's team, we're playing at the same ballpark and scoring runs, and we're doing it different um, because the situation has kind of led us to be a little bit different. And here early, we've had a lot of wind in. You know, we really tried to kind of play to that situation. So you've talked about um, Oklahoma Westland and, and how you guys are you're constantly trying to get better. What do you think, what challenges, you know, do you face currently with your team now or just your, your culture now? Or what, what, what challenges do you think that are holding you back from that, that next tier, that next level? I think it's, it's continuing to, to, you know, uh, remember where we came from because we have now been here long enough that nobody on this current team knows what it was like to build it. Uh, they just Oklahoma Wesleyan has always been good, and that's funny to those of us that have been here since the beginning that realize like wasn't that long ago we weren't that good like we were trying to get over there you know over the hump uh, to get to where we are now and you know that uh, that there is an expectation here now uh, you know after the the 14 team goes 58 and eight the next year uh, we return most of that team and. Maybe we didn't sneak up on as many people, and we wound up going 49 and, I think, 15 and finished just, just outside. We finished in the if game uh, to go back to the World Series. And I remember on campus a week or so later, I ran into a professor, and they stopped me and, you know, said, I, I know, you know, this past year was uh, really disappointing for you. And I thought, you know, two years ago, we'd never won 40 games, and now winning 49 is disappointing. Uh you know, they had already forgotten what it was like to, to try to, to build it. Uh, maintaining it's been, been the hard part. Uh, building it was, was easier. But it's now trying to get current players to, to realize that it's not a birthright to be in the top five or to be in the top ten, or it's not a birthright to, to win a conference championship. Uh, you know, we've won three conference championships in the last six years, and those are the only three baseball conference championships in school history. And everybody acts like that's just what we do and trying to make sure every year we start over at the very, very beginning and say, this is not a birthright. You don't just show up and put on our stuff, and then we are that successful. Like the reason we've been successful and the reason that we hope to be successful this year and next year or whatever is because of the hard work and the preparation that we've put in all the way through the year to know that at the end of the year, whenever we need to play our best, hopefully we are playing our best. Uh, but that's been the hard part is uh, is trying to keep those guys I, I, motivated is not the right word, but I guess reminded that uh, you know we're we're still new to the scene and and you know when I took the job here seven years ago, uh, the people in our own town didn't even know we had a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I, I I mean they were going like oh I didn't even know they had it when I told them I was the head coach at Oklahoma Wesley and I had a lady say well I didn't even know they had a team. <laughs> and I thought, well, that'll, that'll put you back down on earth right there. You know, I was pumped to be the head coach at Oklahoma. I was a head baseball coach in college, and she, you know, lived a block from our school and didn't know we had a team. So that is, that's a humbling experience. So making sure that these guys remember, like, that was only seven years ago. And, and you know, we are successful because we've worked at it, uh, and we've kind of kept our head down and, and tried to just play really hard and work really hard. And, if we do that, we can be proud of where we're at at the end of the year, uh, every year. Love it. So, Coach, one thing I like learning from the different college coaches we have on is their recruiting strategies. Obviously, you kind of touched on that and touched on the guys you look for. What are some things you look for as far as 
personality traits or possible red flags through that recruiting process? You know, I think for us, the first thing is just how hard do they play? I, I graduated college at 5'8", 140 pounds. I, I'm still 5'8". I don't weigh 140 pounds anymore. Um <laughs> uh, but I, I had to work, uh, you know, and I was, I, I made myself a good college player. I was not a great college player, but I was a better college player than I was high school baseball player. Um, and I did that through a lot of work. So I, I, you know, I tell our guys all the time, I didn't get cooler when I got to coach. Uh, I'm the same guy now, uh, you know, that played. Uh, I coach it with the same intensity. It's not a, I don't roll the balls out uh, and hope we get better. I mean, it's a detailed, it's a, uh, an organized practice plan every day. I mean, it's it's a lot of work uh, to do it this way, but I don't want to leave it to chance. I don't want to hope that we get better. I don't want to look up at the end of the year and go, man, I wish we had gotten better. Uh, I want to be able to look up and say, you know what, we did everything possible as a coaching staff to help those guys be the best possible team, you know, they can be. Um, and if that, you know, uh, if the guy doesn't work and the guy doesn't play hard, then it's just not going to be a good fit with him and I, um, you know, I, we're proud of, you know, we've had three national players of the year in the last four years, and they've also been three of our hardest workers. Um, you know, they show up and just go to work every single day and do their job. And, you know, they get better because of that, that work ethic. And I think that they can be uh, confident because they know that they've put all that work in. And so for us, that's the very first thing is just, you know, how hard do they play, um, you know, and, and how hard do they work? And, uh, sometimes when a coach says, I, I cringe, but when a coach says, well, you know, he's a he's a real gamer. Now, I know that there's guys that play better on game day. We certainly like those guys too, but, you know, I always, when they when they say he's a gamer, I always ask, well, how is he at practice? Because if, mm-hmm. if they're describing like, well, you know, practice is just okay, but on game day he turns it on, then he's never going to be as good as he probably should be. Um, for us, like, we want, we want the guy to be a – gamer and a practicer uh, i don't know if that's the right way to put that but we, we want him to show up every day and work uh you know I, I don't want him to show up you know 55 times in the regular season uh and i think that's that makes everyone else around us better uh because when you look around if you're the second tier player that's trying to get over the hump and you look up and go like man you know will price uh jose ruiz you know chris tapia trevor Ockenbach. Uh, Jeff Butler, Brandon Cummings, Avery Flores, all those guys that we've had that were so successful here, if you look up and go, they're there early, and now I'm showing up later than them, and I'm leaving before them, well, how in the world would I ever be better than them? Um, That kind of elevates everybody else uh, around that. So that's the first thing for us is just, you know, uh, do they work, uh, you know, and how serious they are about that side. And uh, sure, character and, and, and all of that stuff off the field's uh, you know, certainly a big priority for us because we're proud of. You know, I, I tell our guys all the time. I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to coach a bunch of just baseball players. That's not the goal. Uh, because at some point they're going to leave Oklahoma Wesleyan uh, with a degree. And you know, I, I'm a head baseball coach, and you know, any job I've ever applied for and 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 gotten anything, they've never asked what my batting average was. I've never had to go out and run a 60 in my suit and tie. Uh, I've never had to you know, throw for them or do anything. Uh, they want to know if I have a degree and they want to know, you know, uh, if I can do the job right. And so for us, like, uh, when we get to baseball practice, like, you know what, baseball is the most important thing on the face of the earth for that two hours or two and a half hours, whatever we're at practice. Like, that is the most important thing. God, if you're going to do it, do it to the best of your ability. Well, 
the ability he gave me was to coach baseball. Uh, so we're going to do that really well. But then for the, you know, the other uh, 22 hours in the day, uh, there's got to be other things that are more important. Uh, my wife's an ER nurse. Uh, so, you know, a bad day for me is that we can't bunt and we lose a game in the ninth inning. Um, mm-hmm. A bad day for my wife is, you know, is a whole other animal. Uh, and the things that she sees, and I think God has a sense of humor uh, for putting us together uh, because I come home and, you know, I'm mad because we, we lost the game in the ninth and then I hear about her day and, yeah, that's a different uh, – yeah, my day's not quite so bad. Everybody gets to come back and we're going to play again tomorrow. You know, and so I think uh, for us, like those people that understand – uh, how important the rest of the world is and uh, the people around them and, and getting a degree and their family. And uh, those things are uh, are equally as important to, you know, how hard they practice and how serious they are about baseball. So you kind of touched on that there. You know, everybody wants talent. Um, but what have you learned through your experiences through the years of developing better teams as a whole? The people matter way more than the talent. I mean, I, you can be, you can be uber talented and, and, you know, it, it just never fits. Uh, you just don't have the right uh, mix of people. And, you know, for us, uh, you know, we've uh, – that's, that's where we've – obviously we want talented players, like you said. Everybody wants that. But, um, you know, I think it, it's the fit. You know, it's the, the academic success, the athletic success, and the spiritual success that we talk about with our guys. It's, that's why we have the other two things in there because, you know, uh, we actually say no uh, to some really talented players at times. You know, and sometimes they say no to us for sure, but uh, but we say no to some too, but just because we find out they don't fit, you know, what we are. They don't fit who I am, and it's easier to weed that out in the recruiting process. And you know, uh, I know I know there's places that you know kind of try to tell the half truth or maybe you know only tell the good parts. And and for us in recruiting, we're we're probably brutally honest about who we are and how we go about things and what we expect and and the, the commitment that it takes and because I'd rather find out today that it's a bad fit than to sugarcoat something and get them here. And then whenever, you know, I tell them this is how hard we work or this is what we do, you know, or this is what I expect and this is who I am as a head coach. I don't, I, I I feel like guys don't play as well if they felt like they got misled one way or the other, because they're always thinking, well, what else did he not tell me? So for us, it's easier to be brutally honest with folks. And, you know, this is what we believe and how we believe it and why we believe it. And it's, it's working for us. Um, doesn't mean that it works for everybody. And some people, some people say, "Hey, that's not for me," and that's okay. I'd rather, rather kind of know that sooner than later. Uh, some people they'll hear all that and say, "Like that's yeah, I can see, you know, why that program has been successful. And I can see, and you know, it, it makes our job easier to say, you know, when they get here, and maybe there's that day that that guy's uh, maybe not quite uh, on it as much as he should be, where we can say, "Hey, we told you we were going to do it this way, correct?" You know, and it's yes, and it's okay. Then, then now's where we, you know, we hold you accountable to that standard. So we need to pick up the way we're going about our business at practice or in the classroom or whatever. Um, it makes it easier because they know they they heard that and they they agreed to it. Uh, we didn't surprise them with it. Uh, and I think that that's um, the 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 people uh, and the the fit is probably way more important than the talent. One moment that sticks out to me about you coaching. Um was during that 2017 season, my first year coaching at Sterling. We're playing at your place. You already beat us twice. In that third game, uh, Giovanni Thomas hit a home run that disappeared over the fence and probably hasn't landed yet. Um, <laughs> yes. 
he kind of sat there and was admiring it. And I don't think your pitcher really liked it. He was, he was chirping at him. Next thing I know, you run by me and you apologize to me and you're basically tearing into him off the mound of the dugout. And throughout the year, we kind of referenced that moment as to why you guys were so good. When you're disciplining or kind of chewing somebody out like that, how do you work to get the message across in a constructive way? Well, I, and I think every player, uh, by the way, that ball still hasn't landed. Uh, <laughs> and he, if you remember, Giovanni hit another one at the conference tournament off the same guy uh, that oh, might that. be as far, uh, if not farther. Uh, so uh, we, we actually referenced that as well. Carlos uh, Aldana was the pitcher, actually. And uh, him and I still reference that uh, situation because uh, it, that wasn't a fun conversation with him because – you know, he didn't like the fact that uh, Giovanni watched it. My answer to him was when you hit them that far, you can watch them all you want. I mean, I was watching it, so, you know, everyone else should be watching it too. You know, and, and Carlos had actually made a, uh, a a trip behind the mound, you know, and was, had something to say to Giovanni around in second. And, you know, Carlos and I had a different relationship than, than maybe different players. And so, you know, part of my uh, deal with Carlos was I – I asked him, I said, the only thing you could be asking him when he rounded second was for his autograph. So, <laughs> I mean, if that wasn't what you were asking him, then I don't know what you were talking to him about. And obviously, Carlos was a competitor, and he was fired up about about it, and he didn't like it. And, you know, I said, hey, man, I don't like it either, but you know what? Like, if you don't throw that pitch, then he doesn't hit it that far. And um, so I, I – that was a different – you know, at the time, he didn't like that conversation. It probably wasn't as nice as uh, we made it sound right there. But then when Giovanni hit it uh, at the conference tournament, uh, again, uh, off the same guy, twice as far probably, as soon as it came off the bat, Carlos watched it. Giovanni watched it. The whole world watched it because it was hit so far. Uh, And then I remember Carlos turning around on the mound and pointing at it and looking at me and, like, pointing at it going, like, did you see how far that went? And I was like, yes, like, just as far as the last one. And then when Carlos came off the field – that inning or whatever he said like can I get his autograph um, <laughs> so that's the funny part of that story but you know I think uh you know players uh, you know you, you do have to set a tone for how you're going to do things uh, and for us like it you know it's just we're not going to talk to the other team and and we're not perfect by any stretch and when that happens I mean competitive people compete uh and when that happens there's got to be a level of um that's not how we're going to do it um, there has to be a level of accountability and, um, you know, sometimes players, uh, don't like it right away, but, you know, uh, hopefully they do see it down the road and, uh, you know, and, and, and understand that. And I think Carlos, uh, at the time didn't like it and was, was being competitive, but, uh, that actually, we actually removed him from the game, uh, you know, at that point, uh, because we weren't going to watch him do that. I mean, it wasn't Giovanni's fault that he hit it that far. So, uh, well, certainly wasn't his fault for watching it. So uh, I think it's just uh, it's being accountable to who you say you're going to be uh, and being consistent. I, I think you have to, to, to tell them who you are, and then you have to be that person. Uh, and I think that um, players appreciate that consistency. You know, I think there's coaches that are sometimes that roller coaster. You know, when things are going well, they're one way, and when things are going bad, they're another. And uh, we're not perfect, like I said, by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, our coaching staff works really hard to – to try to be the same people every day, whether we're 21 and two or two and 21, like we want to show up every day. And there's a standard to how we're going to do things. And there's an expectation of how we're going to play and how we're going to compete and do certain things. And, uh, 
if that means we're winning, then great. And if that means we're losing, then we've still got to work hard, but we're not going to change the standard and we're not going to change who we are just because we've, you know, either had success or, or, or we've had some failures there. And that's the players appreciate that consistency. That's awesome that you hit on that. I, I was going to have a question about this too. When you have a moment like that where you realize it's a coaching moment or, you know, there's these moments I think throughout the season, um, you know, even I've noticed right now as I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to coach here, even at the high school level is there's moments when there's not only do you have to, protect but also build your culture how do you how do you identify those moments when you say okay this is a moment that I really need you know this is a moment that I absolutely have to say something or I, I kind of threaten my my culture or again like you said uh, question your accountability that you said that the team that you guys are going to be yeah I think the you know and I I think it's a feel uh you know I, I do think there's certainly some feel that goes into that uh and it's hard as a young coach I'm getting better at it. I don't want to say I'm an old coach by any stretch uh, because, you know, like I said, the 45-year-old the, the Matt Parker is probably going to laugh at the answers that the 35-year-old gave. But, you know, I, I think there's there's a feel to it, you know, and seeing it coming and, and finding those teachable moments to be able to say this is how we're going to do it. Uh, I think there's also, you know, uh, a time where you have to just decide that, you know, what we're not going to accept certain things. And when those things occur, no matter when it occurs, you can't accept it, you know, and I, and I think there's that side of, you know, if you're not correcting it, then you're condoning it. Uh, we've all heard that before. And, you know, if you're not coaching it, then you're condoning it. And I think it's one where, you know, if it's, it's, you know, we like to have a lot of energy and things like that. Sometimes, you know, somebody says something, you know, out of the dugout that maybe isn't exactly how we want to do things. And that's, you know, we have to turn around and go like, Hey, that's too far. Like shut up. Uh, you know, and they always nod their head and go like, yes, sir. Uh, but I think it's that kind of, we don't want to squash the energy coming from the dugout, but, you know, if it's mm -hmm. the wrong thing, then if if you don't correct it, then you are going to condone it, and then it just goes a little farther and a little farther. There's that side of just knowing, you know, this is who I want to be as a as a coach, uh, or this is who we want to be as a program, and then just sticking to that and knowing that anything that's not to that standard then then isn't isn't right, uh, and you can't sugarcoat it, and you can't, you know, let it go sometimes, and you can't. It's got to be a, and sometimes it seems like man, I. You know, I'm on them all the time about this, or they're, you know, I feel like they're, uh, and that's okay because eventually they'll start to do it themselves. And there's so many things now that I don't say anything about, or that I don't worry about, or that I don't speak up on because when it happens, somebody else has already corrected it. You know, before I even have a chance to say anything, you know, some, something else, somebody else that's been in the program has already gone like, hey, no, uh-uh, you know, and they're already coaching it uh, to fix it, whether that be, you know, an assistant coach with us or whether that be uh, a, an older player that just knows that this isn't how we do that. And uh, I think that's the, the thing is setting the, the bottom line uh, and then going from there, you know, and having that uh, those older guys kind of take over as you kind of get the bottom line set. That's awesome. So we're going to kind of switch gears here and switch to a different perspective of the game. When you're interviewing or searching for assistant coaches, what are qualities or traits or some characteristics that you're looking for, you know, in, in that applicant? Yeah, and I, I'll tell you, I've got, uh, I'm, I'm lucky. I've had some of the best assistant coaches uh, come through here. And, uh, you know, I, I, you talk about coaching trees and, you know, I always joke that I'm trying not to mess up all the trees that I'm in. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying hard not to, to screw those up and, uh, my coaching tree is uh, a really good one. I've had some some really good assistant coaches uh, come through here, and you know the guys that I currently have, uh, you know, with us now. I mean, Noe Ruiz is um, he's been here five years now. He started as a as a 
graduate assistant with us and, um, you know, has, has kind of just progressed from there and, and uh, five years in is, you know, is, is kind of our offensive guy there, throws all the BP, works with hitters, you know, in early work and, and, and late work and during practice and during the games. And, you know, he's a big, big reason for uh, our success. And I, I think that uh, any hitter that's come through here would tell you, you know, how much of a, a fingerprint he's had on them. And, you know, we've got Gabe Grinder now as a, uh, as a pitching coach. This is his, uh, I guess his third year, um, you know, came in at Christmas, so two and a half years uh, with us as the, as the pitching guy. And, you know, uh, has done a tremendous job elevating our pitching staff. And, you know, I think those guys, uh, along with, you know, several others uh, that have been through here, and if I started naming them all, I certainly wouldn't get them, uh, you know, get them all named, and then I'd get that phone call from somebody saying, hey, you forgot about, uh, so I'd be, be writing all those uh, sorry texts back. So, but I think the biggest thing for us, number one, would be loyalty and, and understanding that they have to be loyal to, to myself uh, and to the program because I'm going to still be here. You know, they're going to – assistant coaches come and go, and, you know, I, I think the, the loyalty would be the first thing. And, you know, we're, we're kind of like with players. We're brutally honest with our assistant coaches about this is how we do things. And if they can't do it that way, then we would rather just know that up front and know that they can't work for us. So I think loyalty is the, the first one, and, and we certainly want those guys to have their opinion and their view on things. But ultimately it does have to stay within the framework of what uh, the program is and, and, and kind of what I've set as the head coach. And, you know, um, I, I certainly think that that we've been really lucky with that, and, and we talk about it and we – you know, there's times they come up with things and say, hey, what do you think about this? And, you know, we talk about it in the office and we say, yeah, that's it. And we do it and uh, it's great. And there's other times that I say, hey, we're not going to do that. And, you know, they go out and teach it completely opposite of what they wanted to do, uh, but they teach it like it's their idea. Uh, and our players would never know the difference. Uh, and I think that's a, uh, a big, big thing there is that, you know, players have to see uh, a coaching staff that's uh, consistent and unified and, you know, if they're getting various messages from different angles and, well, who's, who should they listen to? Uh, you know, their position coach or the head coach that's right in the lineup or, uh, and it just kind of, kind of causes problems there. So uh, loyalty is, is certainly uh, first and foremost there. And um, the next one for us is, is, is a work ethic. Yeah. Like I told you, I, I, I'm a worker. I don't know any other way to do it. Uh, I don't, I don't know how to, to kind of kick back and relax and, it's it's work, and and we've got to find assistant coaches that, that like to go out and recruit, that like to do the early work and the late work, and the, then go home at night and call recruits, or you know be on the road, and uh, you know uh, we work a lot in the summer uh, on the road recruiting and uh, being out and, and trying to, to to see players and have our name out there so that people recognize our logo and who we are, and and man those guys work, and um, I think those are the two biggest things for us and assistant coaches is is the loyalty and the work ethic um, to, to know that that's it. And, and then for us, like, honestly, like I, I, I want to hire people that want my job. I, you know, I, I don't want them to get it the wrong way. Uh, but, uh, but I do want uh, people that look around and that, that want to be, that want to be me. Uh, you know, I, I wanted Gary Adcock's job at Cal Baptist and Chris Finnegan and, and John Harvey. I wanted to get it because I wanted them to do so well at their job you know, that, uh, uh, that it looked good for me too. You know, I want to make them look so, so good. And, and, and I think that, you know, obviously Coach Rees and Coach Grinder and uh, Coach Coyman and, and Coach Oney, uh, who round out our staff here this year, I mean, they're doing a tremendous job. And 
you know, I think that they're going to make great head coaches someday. Um, but I, I think they're doing it the right way in the sense of, you know, they are loyal to the Oklahoma Wesleyan program and, and, and myself. And, you know, they work exceptionally hard. And then from there, when they get their own program, there's going to be things that they're going to change. Uh, I'm fully aware of that. Uh, my first year here at Oklahoma Wesleyan, we actually uh, played California Baptist University. So, um, you know, the team I was the head coach for versus the team I had recruited. Uh, and, and we had changed some things at Oklahoma Wesleyan from what I did at Cal Baptist. And Coach Adcock asked me, he said, uh, hey, you didn't like how we did that when you were here? You know, as a kind of a joke. And, you know, I laughed and said, well, I just thought we did it wrong for three years. Uh, and, and he laughed or whatever. And obviously they, they have continued to be uh, extremely successful without me. Uh, but it's one where I coached it that way because that was his program and the way he wanted it done. Uh, we've modified some things. There's a lot of things we do that are Cal Baptist. So there's things that uh, that I know that they'll take from here and uh, and continue to do because they think that works. And there's things that they'll change to fit their personalities because um, you know that's I think that's what good coaches do is uh, they can modify things and, and figure out what fits them best. I'll tell you what, that guy's machine throwing BP. <laughs> He's awesome. I mean, our guys. I, like I said, I. We don't have the, the National Players of the Year, and we don't have the, the All-Americans and the All-Conference. We don't have all that without, you know, him. And, and you know, we've had various other guys come through here that have uh, been through with him. Uh, but, I mean, he's a, he throws every – for five years, he's thrown every BP uh, ball that's been thrown for five years uh, to those guys and countless, you know, countless early work sessions before practice and, after practice and you know times at night when guys struggle and they say hey you want to come hit you know it's a little more difficult now because he's married and all that but uh he still goes up there uh you know that's why i think he's one of the best hitting guys in the country if not the best uh hitting guy in the country is is how hard he works and you know i know that he's up there all the time and we hadn't had to have shoulder surgery yet so that's he's durable so that's a good thing too i was gonna say i need to get his arm care pro program yeah, it's uh, we, we've talked about selling it, uh, and uh, you know the problem is you got we just moved the mound up. I don't know if they're going to let us move the mound up because that's uh, that's been key for him is we just move the mound up if we need to. Matt, you better uh, you better make him sign a non compete because I think you might get him picked up by somebody with all this talk you're talking about him now. He's well, going to get. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, he. Uh, that, dude, that's why I mentioned loyalty first. Was to make sure that uh, I got the loyalty side in there first. And, the guilty uh, conscience no, got him no, on now. Noe Ruiz has been tremendous, uh, you know, for for us, and uh, you know, not only not only as an assistant coach, but as a as a friend, uh, you know, and I think that's a big deal for our program is is our coaches like each other. Uh, you know, is that they uh, we hang out with each other outside of that, and I think our team sees that, and and um, you know, I think that goes back to the culture that we have is that it's not just a work relationship. I think some of these coaches listening in are wondering what's going on down there in Bartlesville and want to replicate it. Um, can you describe what a day of practice looks like at Oklahoma Wesleyan, and what things do you try to implement every day? Yeah, we, uh, you know, like I said, I, I you know, I. I guess I get made fun of uh, probably around campus quite a bit because I'm so organized. Uh, and I don't mean that arrogantly. I just I, – I, I don't know any other way to do it. You know, so uh, there's certainly more than one way to, to write a practice plan or uh, to do things. I, I just – I'm an organized person, so that, that for me um, is a big deal. So uh, obviously we lift like everybody else and, and do all of that stuff. But, you know, when we get to practice – 
we try to practice faster than anybody else. Uh, and and it's, it's crazy early, uh, and it takes a lot of time to kind of get everybody to, to believe in it and go. But, you know, we just think that we can get more done uh, if we, you know, if we go faster, we get more done in a shorter amount of time. So for us, uh, you know, it goes back to that kind of journal that I that I have. It's got every practice plan in it. And, you know, I've got every practice plan I've ever written. And, and at the end of the day, I take notes on that practice plan for, you know, this was good, this was bad, that needs to be better, um, this is too long, you know, that's too short, uh, whatever it is. And then every year I kind of go back and I look at the, the, the last two years prior to writing this year's, you know, plan for that day. Uh, so whatever practice number 30 is, uh, you know, I look at practice number 30 from last year and the year before and, you know, try to figure out are we on pace, are we behind, are we ahead, you know, whether it plays into that. But, you know, for us, like, we literally try to kind of script every every minute uh, in there. So if we're there for, you know, two hours or two and a half hours, there's, there's two and a half hours worth of work in there. Um, there's never the stand around or walk here or jog there and, just little things like uh, we put up the, the BP stuff. We, we try to put it up quicker. Uh, not, not the time, like how fast can we do it, but just with more bounce to us and more energy. And, you know, we feel like if we do things that way, uh, we do get more done, but we also, there's some conditioning involved with that. And, you know, we all know that when you get to the big game and, uh, you know, the fans are screaming and it's crazy and you're at the World Series, it, you know, your heart starts beating Well, if you've, you know, practiced at a certain pace all year, uh, there is that ability to kind of slow down a little bit. We don't ever want to get to a game and feel like we have to play faster than what we have in practice. Uh, we do want the game to be slower than, than any practice that we've had all year. Uh, so I think that's the first thing. And then for us, as far as what we implement, we, we typically start every day with some form or fashion of base running. Uh, I think that's drastically undercoached in probably college baseball uh, as a whole. Uh, and I think there's ways to you know, to, to get an advantage there. I think so many people work on getting to first, uh, but like we talked about, we want to score runs and we don't get anything for being at first. You know, we've got to, got to go ahead and, and turn left a, uh, a few more times after that. So, you know, we start with base running there and uh, kind of bounce through that and we kind of work our way around from we even start at home and we go, you know, home to first. Uh, and then the next day maybe at first and it's leads versus righties or lefties or whatever it is, and, and we work our way around, you know, all the way around. And when we get done, we come back. It takes about uh, 10 days to get all the way around, and then we come back and do it again um, and review it from there. And uh, that's that's in August all the way through to the very last practice of the year. Obviously, defensively, we try to, you know, the bunt plays and the stuff like that, we do we do have those things that we go over. And, you know, individual defense, we'll talk about some of that stuff as far as uh, footwork and things early, but, you know, we, we try not to do it ton of stuff with the fungo and and outside of doing drill work where we you know we're working on a certain you know footwork or a certain pivot or a certain thing then uh yes we'll use the fungo but other than that we try to take everything live in bp um dives uh we just feel like you can't make a great play if you don't ever practice making a great play um and i feel like if if at 35 if i went out to shortstop and you told me you were going to hit me a ground ball I could probably still catch it. I don't know if I could throw it across the diamond uh, with the right uh, game speed, but I could still catch it. But I, I think that the reaction off the BP bat is uh, something that you can't get any other place other than playing it live. Uh, so we ask our guys to, to play a ton of balls live in BP and 
you know, we set up the screen and one day it's to first and the next day it's to, to second on the double play. Um, you know, in 2015, I believe we tied the NEI national record for double plays in a season with 82. Um, and that group worked at that. Um, you know, they were a group that, that worked hard on the double play. Um, you know, we've, we've consistently turned the double play at Oklahoma Weldon. I think that's because we, we work on it at, at a game speed, sometimes even faster than game speed. And it's easier to, to, to go back and slow down, you know, after practice or after a play happens, you can say, hey, that, that might have been too fast. It's easier to make that error uh, in September or October uh, or January uh, and coach through it then. We'd rather do that than to you know, never make an error in September or October because we were playing at the wrong speed and then wonder what happened when we get to the spring and we can't turn a double play and we're losing games because we can't turn the double play. So we try to we try to be really consistent on how fast we play. And Bo, you, you and Joey both seen us take BP. We we typically take BP faster. You talk about the machine uh, in 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 Coach Arie's, uh He throws it at a quicker pace than most people, and that's a big deal. We fight with with some recruits early or, or signees early is just getting up to to par on our pace. And you know, but we we kind of joke with them about like once they've hit it, the point in watching it like. You know, like you can't guide it anymore. Like if they could still guide it, then we'd be working on guiding that thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, once it's left your bat, we might as well reset and get ready to hit another one. And over the course of a year, how many more swings can we get in if we take it at a quicker pace? Not breakneck, anything like that, but let's let's repeat that swing over and over and over uh, and get more swings in in a shorter amount of time. And uh, I just remember some practices I went to as a player, you know, in high school that just took forever. and then I'd come home and my dad would ask what we did at practice. And, you know, I would name three things that we did and I'd been gone for three hours. Uh, you know, and I thought, God, that's why baseball gets the lazy man sports uh, 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 tag or whatever is that, you know, it's, it's played too slow. And so we, we kind of talk about let's play at a, a fast break pace and, and uh, get more done in that short amount of time there. So Matt, when you evaluate yourself uh, personally, what do you think are some things that you're still, or, you know, like you're focusing on right now or things that you, that you're trying to get better at or things that you can get better at moving forward? Yeah, I think the, probably the, 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 probably the biggest thing, you know, to, to be better at is just still in handling people, uh, you know, and, and personalities, uh, you know, and, I don't know if you'll ever be great at that because I, people continue to change and, and every year is a, a new set of uh, of people. But I think that's a, a big one is just trying to, to notice that, you know, uh, not every player can be coached the same. Um, I, I know that everybody wants to, you know, you got to treat them all the same and I, I don't think you can. Uh, you, know, they're, you know, we've got guys from different backgrounds and, and, and different countries and you know, different languages and things like that. And, and you know, they, they didn't all grow up in Searcy, Arkansas with, you know, two parents, a brother and a sister. And, uh, I mean, it's a different – they grew up in a different world. Uh, and so to try to treat them, you know, the way that uh, Matt Parker would respond to that is, is unfair to them. It's really bad coaching. So for me, it's it's realizing that those guys, you know, come from different backgrounds and, and you know um, – you know, parents uh, raise them differently or they're from different parts of the country, even if it's just still within the United States, that, you know, there's different different ways to go about things and uh, trying to reach those guys and make sure that um, that we hold them accountable to what we do and how we do it and those kind of things, but also that we uh, are, are, you know, doing our job as coaches 
because I think a lot of coaches now blame the players, you know, and say, well, kids these days or, uh, well, they just don't listen. And it's, you know, my thing is that, well, you're the coach. You brought them here. Uh, so maybe it was your fault or you need to coach them differently or coach them better. Uh, so I, I don't ever want to pass that blame on to anybody uh, other than myself and, and figure out a way that, I, you know, I, I need to coach those guys better. And I need to be better myself as a communicator, as a, um, you know, a, a person to, to understand that, man, they're from a different situation and I've got to coach that differently than, uh, than the way I did two years ago or a year ago or that guy last week. Uh, those are two different guys. So you got to treat them differently. For sure. I think that self-accountability really leads to personal growth as a coach. So Matt, as always, if our listeners want to reach out to you about anything we covered today, what is the best way for them to contact you via email, Uh, Twitter, social media, whatever that is? Yeah, any of those. Uh, You know, my my email address uh, is on the website. It's uh, first initial last name, uh, M Parker at okwu.edu. My phone number's on the on the website, um, Twitter, and all of that. I think it's at Matt Parker thirty seven. Um, but any 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 of that stuff, uh, I'd be glad to to respond in any way. And um, any any you know, obviously, if they reach out to you guys, if you want to pass them along to me, I'd certainly uh, do anything I can to to try to help. I know I've had a ton of people help me and and uh, answer my questions and and uh, you know, kind of show me this is how they do things. And I'd be glad to to do the same. Well, Matt, you know, we, we have had you on for a while and we really appreciate you sharing all your information and going in depth on a lot of those questions. And uh, I know there's a whole bunch of nuggets, even notes that I took down as you were talking. So we really appreciate having you on today. And uh, I'm sure our listeners will as well. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. And if there's ever anything I can do in the future, please let me know. All right. Thanks, Matt. Uh-huh. Thank you, guys. Man, I got so many nuggets that I wrote down from Matt. I just shared with so much information and went into so much depth. This call takeaway is sponsored by Quality at Bats. Don't forget to visit qualityatbats.com to further your mental approach to the game. So Joey, Coach Parker gave us a lot of great information and really went into detail on some valuable knowledge. What was your biggest takeaway? And I was taking notes as he was talking, and the biggest thing I wrote down was that yearly binder. Man, how much, how great would that be to go back and look through all your thoughts throughout the seasons, times when you were being challenged, times when you remembered, man, I need to start this, you know, sooner next year, or I need to focus on this, and had that to change a blank page at the front of your binder. I think that would be so much, so much knowledge that I would love to pull from that. Maybe again, maybe your kid coaches one day. Maybe they just, you know, your grandkids never get to meet you. It's just something else to connect to and something you can look back on and see where you've developed as a coach and as um, just going through that process. So that was the biggest thing for me. How about you, Bo? That really is a good one. It really is tough. Matt's such a good coach, even better guy. For me, the biggest thing he touched on was his drive to continually get better. Um, I thought it was cool how he noted he finished the season 58 and eight, and he was already thinking about how he can get better that next year. And I think that competitive drive is really what pushes him to not be complacent. It, it also makes him better than, than he was yesterday and, and eventually making him one of the best in the business. Yeah, no, he really is good. Guys, you guys have been, again, I just want to praise you guys, just how much support that you guys had, so much love that you guys have shown us and rating us everywhere and sharing us. And I just, we just, we, we love and appreciate you guys so much. Um, me and Bo really just want to give back and we want to give out knowledge and we want kids to be coached better and we want better coaches and we just want to impact society. And 
uh, we can't do that without you guys. We just really appreciate you guys sharing this episode with anybody that you could find value in it, any other coaches that could find some value in it. Um, and, and just keep doing what you guys are doing because you guys are helping us so much and you guys are helping spread the knowledge and you guys are helping, you know, change coaching and, and the impact that that has on players and future players and, you know, future brothers and future fathers and future husbands. And you guys, you guys are doing just such a great job. And me and Bo just thank you so much. Until next time, Farm System out.